I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Over 60,000 gun retailers across the country act as the first line of defense in stopping the flow of illegal guns. But a new ProPublica report shows they face few financial incentives to prevent illegal transactions. And it's led to guns from retailers in Indiana, for example, making their way to Chicago, where they've been linked to violent crimes in and around the city. We spoke with Vernal Coleman, a reporter for ProPublica's Midwest newsroom, about his investigation. And I began by asking Vernal who enforces the ATF's guidelines for who is allowed to buy a gun. The ATF enforces the guidelines. Um, the ATF has a number of agents uh, who set about the country every single year uh, conducting inspections of federally licensed dealers like the West Forest Sports, which was featured in our story. Mm-hmm. Um, they are by all accounts, um, understaffed, uh, and those inspections occur maybe uh, every two to three years. Uh, And their job is to um, ensure that the guidelines are enforced, that uh, um, that particular inspections uh, are taking place, and that that most of the retailers are complying uh, to the extent that they can. Uh, sometimes they'll inspect um, based on a complaint that they receive, mm-hmm. uh, but most of the time it's on a particular schedule. I see. What incentives, whether financial or otherwise, do gun retailers have to prevent their weapons from ending up in the wrong hands? Um, none in terms of finance. There are no in- penalties, or there are penalties, but not necessarily incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, they do incur penalties for a variety of things, but there is a uh, tension there, and that's one of the things that we discovered while or, uh, reporting the story, Yeah, um, in that the expectations don't necessarily meet the results. Um, federal licensed uh, dealers are expected by the ATF to be the first line of defense uh, in terms of preventing straw sales. Uh, these are sales where someone will walk in and act as a proxy for someone else who most likely is barred by law from actually um, buying a, a gun themselves. Right. Um, underage, for instance. Most, a lot of times they're under, underage, they're minors. Um, or they may be felons. Um, and in those cases where um, they are coming into the store, a... Retailer has to make an assessment, a uh, decision, and as to if this person is actually a straw purchaser or if they are making a legitimate sale mm-hmm. or a legitimate purpose or purchase, I should say. And um, in a lot of cases, the scrutiny does not necessarily meet the expectations that the ATF sets, mm-hmm. but the ATF um, often will not, uh, well, often does not actually penalize um, retailers despite the fact that there may be a record, a long record of straw sales occurring at a particular uh, uh, retail retailer, uh, because the expectation, rather the guidelines say that they cannot penalize or rather they do not penalize unless they can prove that the sale, rather that the, the sale on the part of the retailer was willful. So this plays out in your story, as you mentioned, West Forth Sports, a notorious gun retailer in, in Indiana, located just a few miles from the Illinois border. It's owned by Earl Westforth. It's at the center of your investigation, and uh, the the business was sued by the city of Chicago. Tell us what the city was alleging 
The city they was did. the city was alleging negligence on the part of um, Westforth, essentially that they are turning a blind eye to uh, a parade of people over years coming into Westforth Sports, the retail shop in Gary, Indiana, um, coming in to purchase guns on behalf of someone else. There's an established record um, that we were able to uncover, and certainly that was included in the in the lawsuit, of people over the last 10 years, I think upwards of 50, uh, people who have been indicted by the federal government on federal gun trafficking charges, mm-hmm. specific charges to uh, purchasing guns illegally, um, that were purchased guns at West Force Sports. And so those guns later were, or at least some of them, were recovered by city police. And the, in a lot of cases, there were um, charges associated with those. Yeah. And sometimes violent uh, crime or later charges. And so the city was saying this, uh, essentially, this retailer has been negligent and they have not followed the ATF's own guidelines. And this is causing harm in the city of Chicago. But Earl says that he was using, he and his employees were using some methods to sort of suss out bad intent when people were coming in and making gun purchases. What are some of the things he said that they tried to do on, on their end? I think uh, in his defense, uh, he, uh, he in terms of his own assessment of uh, the processes at uh, the retailer, he was saying that they do their due diligence, yeah. at least to the letter of the law. Um, looking for people who looking, look suspicious. Looking for people who look shifty suspicious. Shifty eyes. That right? kind of thing. Yeah, people who are essentially making it obvious. Maybe they're trading uh, cash inside of the store. Maybe they're conversing you know, with each other. And there, I think to an extent, uh, a person with uh, his level of experience over decades has probably seen a lot and probably has stopped right. uh, many uh, straw purchase. Um, and they left notes for each other, right? There was that. And I think that to, was... To say, hey, look out for this person. If they you were doing him. that. Um, the question is, I think, was that adequate to the task? of, And was that adequate to meet the expectations of the ATF? And not just that, but also was that simply adequate yeah. to preventing straw sales and the, the straw sales from occurring? And what we found is that's clearly not the case. Yeah, there's an example you cite in the story of, of those straw sales where uh, we look at uh, the story of former customer Daryl Ivory Jr. He spent $10,000 in six months, this was back in 2020, at that same store. What happened to all the guns that he bought? I believe there were around 20 guns. And that was just the guns that, I believe there were 19, and that was just the guns that were associated with Westford. There were actually more. There were more guns. There were more guns. Daryl Ivory went on a spree uh of buying guns in Indiana retailers. Westforth was just one of them. Uh, but he spent the bulk of his, well, at least according to uh, the charges against him, the federal charges, yeah. uh, he spent most of his money at Westforth, 19 guns. And those guns were, uh, several of them were recovered by uh, city police. Uh, we highlighted several examples in our story. Um, but the most, the most chilling thing was that, uh, at least according to the complaint as was written in, I think it was 2021, um, those, some, some of those guns have not been recovered. All of those guns have not been recovered. So they may still be in circulation. They may still be in the hands of people who, again, were not, are not legally allowed to, yeah. to purchase or possess them. So give us a, a sense of scope here, Vernal. I, you cite these studies by the University of Chicago that found Westforth. Um, it, it was the third largest supplier of guns that were recovered by Chicago police, which is, I mean, mind-blowing. How many guns... Do we have a sense of how many guns are actually linked from West uh, Westforth Sports right back to Chicago streets? We have a sense, and that 
those two studies by the University of Chicago, I think, are maybe the greatest or perhaps the most accurate um, assessment of how many guns um, that they've used uh, data that's, I believe, uh, provided by the city of Chicago, or rather the, the Chicago Police Department. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's around 800 guns over the last, I want to say, a, a 10-year period. 800 just from Eight, this just store. Just from that particular store. And there are two others, uh, stores that are um, uh, ranked ahead of Westford, but it's still it's a, it's a huge amount of guns. But I think one of the, again, another chilling thing that we found uh, in the reporting, it, it was clear that these are just the guns that the city knows about. There may be more out there. Right. The guns that are included in that tally are only the ones that the city of Chicago, rather city, city police, have actually recovered somehow in um, various different circumstances. Right. Uh, most often uh, crime-related. Arrests. Arrests, yeah. So there may be more. Um, what the federal government is actually able to, um, where, where the federal government is actually able to bring charges, there are it's only there to the extent that they can get some information from the retailers mm-hmm. and then about the guns that have been recovered. There may be more out there. Yeah. And we know this wasn't the first inspection or, or lawsuit that uh, Westforth Sports has faced, right? But this latest one from the city of Chicago, uh, where does that stand now, this lawsuit? Well, the lawsuit itself uh, was thrown out by a judge based on, uh, well, it's sort of a... So it's nowhere. It's Well, it has been appealed by the city of Chicago okay. at this point. Uh, the city has confirmed to us that they have, or, and certainly if they have filed recently uh, to, uh, uh, I think, mean, refiled the lawsuit. I'm not sure if they're going to appeal. They're refiling the lawsuit. Um, but... Um, I'm not sure at this point if they're planning on refiling it here in the state of uh, Illinois or uh, or in Indiana, because there is some complication there. Um, there's federal law that makes it incredibly difficult for um, anyone, really, um, certainly municipalities like the city of Chicago, to um, to sue gun retailers, to sue gun manufacturers. Um, so the city is, I think, has to really... Um, consider has to find uh, another way has to find another yeah. avenue and maybe a new legal argument yeah and ProPublica followed up with Edgar Dominich who's the former ATF chief operating officer about Earl Westworth's uh, deposition what did Dominich have to say um, he was uh, quite candid actually in terms of assessing um, Earl Westforce's performance and certainly um, his uh, statements that he made in the deposition that we uh, asked him to review. Mm-hmm. He essentially said, uh, in no uncertain terms, that uh, West Force Sports should have been shut down when the ATF um, had an opportunity to do so uh, years ago, um, yeah. and that the ATF uh, d- dropped the ball and used a little bit more colorful language than that, actually, but um, that the ATF had an opportunity to correct his behavior and did not. And to the extent that ATF did try, they there were they have engaged with Earl Westforth before, but the record shows and certainly the record of indictments in terms of straw sales that have come out of Westforth Sports, uh, the the parade of guns that the city has sort of uh, continued to recover mm-hmm. or purchased at Westforth Sports, it's clear that whatever the ATF was doing was not taking. And so that we're clear, I mean, how often do gun dealers lose their license 
for not things often. like what Westworth was doing? Not often at all. Not often. Um, and there's a several reasons for that. Um, but if you look at the number of um, inspections that occur versus the number of um, licensees that are out there, mm-hmm. and the ATF actually does provide the number of revocations that you do every single year, it's, uh, it's a very small number it's compared. It's a small number. Yeah. So thinking of that and, and, and Westworth's story, sum this up for us. What do you think it tells us about why so many guns are making their way to cities like Chicago? There is, there are huge holes in the system of oversight um, that exists in this country to prevent um, guns from falling into the wrong hands. Um, it sparks a debate about the Second Amendment. There are people on various different sides, but the system that we have right now, clearly, um, based on the number of indictments that we see for uh, straw sales, um, based on the number of guns that are recovered in the hands of people who did not purchase them mm-hmm. um, and who Eric, can be traced to a person who was indicted for straw sales, it's clear that the current policy is not effective. Um, and that's partly the reason. Uh, the city of Chicago would argue, through its, certainly through its lawsuit, and it has argued, that it's because of, of retailers like Westforth who are turning a blind eye. Um, and I think that the story shows is that to the extent that maybe Earl Westforth uh, himself and his policies at his store were certainly inadequate to the task as well. Yeah. We'll leave it there for now. Vernal Coleman's a reporter for ProPublica's Midwest Newsroom. Great story. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. This episode was produced by Brenda Ruiz, and it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Linnea Dominic. Are you signed up for our newsletter? Well, if you aren't, then why not? It's a great way to stay connected to the news that matters most to Chicago area residents and to figure out cool stuff to do around the city. You can sign up by visiting wbez.org slash reset news. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again soon.